We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, partner, we are a little over 24 hours removed from Baltimore's massive announcement in which they signed Odell Beckham Jr., as we know, to a one-year deal worth up to $18 million, $15 million of which is guaranteed money. And, Bobby, there's plenty of people, including myself, that didn't see the Ravens stepping up and spending that kind of money on a free agent wide receiver because, well, we've covered it many times. It's totally uncharacteristic of this team. Some have even called it a desperate move by the Ravens that is trying to convince its quarterback, Lamar Jackson, to play football in Baltimore again. And you know what? Maybe it is a little desperate. But if you ask NFL reporter Rich Eisen, it is also an absolutely brilliant move and money well spent. And in case you might be sitting here saying, that's too much money for the Ravens to do this. Worth every penny. Worth every Every penny, because that FaceTime of Odell talking to Lamar, if it did in fact happen after this news broke that Odell personally confirmed by putting his beautiful child in a Ravens uniform on his Instagram Mm -hmm. account and in a Lamar jersey, to say the least, perfect communication to Lamar from the Ravens through Odell Beckham Jr. to say, we got you. We got your back. You sign that tender or you come to the table. Let's talk. We love you, Lamar. We got you, Odell, in the middle of all this stuff between the two of us. We're changing our image. We changed our coordinators. But we're not, despite the tag we applied which is the way they term it, to Lamar Jackson. We're not changing quarterbacks. Come back, Lamar. There we go. And give him number 13. 13 plus 8 equals 21, which is a winning hand in Las Vegas, which is where the Super Bowl is. Let's go. Ooh, look at you, Rich. This is the message the Ravens just sent to Lamar Jackson and the rest of the NFL world on Easter Sunday. Worth every penny already. They just got to get Lamar in the fold. And one great way to put it is to go out and get Odell Beckham Jr. and his 15 million guaranteed, heck of a lot cheaper than 200 some odd million guaranteed. Lamar, come to the table. Let's talk. You know, 
You went, you went, you, you looked around. Nobody signed you. Nobody gave you the offer sheet. We're going we're gonna to match it anyway. Come on. You got, oh, that's essentially the message. When you come home, the person waiting for you is Odell Beckham Jr. And they were able to, on Easter Sunday, communicate this to Lamar Jackson, that they love him. They're ready to support him. They're ready to keep loving him and supporting him in the manner in which he's already become accustomed to or didn't want anymore because of the money conversation. And the money conversation is now through Odell Beckham Jr., communicated to Lamar how much they want him from somebody not named Bashadi DaCosta or Harbaugh. I think it's a brilliant move. Brilliant move. All right, so I totally agree with Rich here. If, it is a big if, but if signing Odell is what gets Lamar back to the negotiating table, or at the very least, scratch a long-term deal, at the very least, if it makes it so that Lamar doesn't hold out in 2023, then this indeed is a brilliant move by Steve Bashotti and Eric DaCosta. And by the way, while I agree it's an overspend, I think it's being wildly exaggerated. And we don't have time today to get into those numbers, but I promise we certainly will later in another episode this week. So for today, I'm simply going to focus on the strategic angle of using OBJ as a way of getting Lamar back. So here's the question, Bobby. Is this just wishful thinking that this signing will actually lure Lamar back, or is there substance behind it? Now, Lamar hasn't made any statements either way, so all we can do is go by his actions and by the actions of OBJ. And I've got three actions or three clues that indicate Baltimore's strategy just might work. Action or clue number one. Lamar was an active participant in recruiting Odell. Yes, that is according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport and Tom Palacero. And by the way, their report was corroborated by the fact that Lamar and OBJ were seen at a Miami club together on the Saturday before Odell signed the contract on Easter Sunday. So it'd be crazy for Lamar to recruit Odell only to leave him high and dry. And can we just pause for a quick second and note the irony and the fact that Lamar was actively pitching the top wide receiver on the market to come to Baltimore when, I mean, he himself technically isn't even sold on the Ravens, right? Like, at least not sold enough to have signed a contract at this point. Yeah, Bobby, I've noted the irony, and it is totally wild. But it's just another instance that shows Lamar does his own thing he does things his own way and by the way you want another wild plot twist how about action or clue number two that indicates things might still work out all right get this bobby lamar was in active negotiations with the ravens at the very time that he sent out a tweet saying that he had asked for a trade all right pelicero explained this one on rich eisen's show so this has not been a March 2nd. That was the end, even though Lamar wrote it like that was the, the goodbye. Thank you for everything. I'll see you around the way. They were still talking. They were still negotiating. And maybe this is what all part of what Lamar thinks is negotiation in his mind. But to the extent that Lamar's options are limited to either he signs an offer sheet or or works out a deal. Let's put it that way. He works out a contract with a new team. It's hard to judge anything going on with Lamar right now by anything other than his actions. And the most recent actions we have with Lamar are 
continuing to negotiate with the Ravens, being an active participant in the recruitment, successful recruitment of Odell Beckham Jr. And Lamar tweeting out right after something about his soul food restaurant being closed on Easter, tweeting out the photo from him FaceTiming Odell right after the deal got done. You would look at all that and say, as you put it, Rich, well, Odell must know something. I think that everybody is reading Lamar's actions here, but in terms of is something done, has Lamar given up on doing an offer sheet someplace else? Is this all over? Lamar's back in the Ravens uniform. It was never over in the first place that Lamar was gone, regardless of what he tweeted. Now we're just in a place where, yeah, the Ravens have paid $15 million, maybe $18 million to give him something that you would certainly think that he wanted in Odell Beckham Jr. Let's now see what, if any, impact that has on negotiations that have not seemed to be impacted by a whole lot over the past couple of years. So, yeah, those are awfully telling actions on Lamar's part. And if they aren't enough to convince fans and media that it means he will be back at a bare minimum for 2023, it sure seems like it was enough to convince OBJ. Otherwise, I mean, it would make zero sense for him to sign a deal here in Baltimore. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Bobby. And that's the third action or the third clue and perhaps the most convincing, the most telling that the Raven strategy is working. Now, there are some that would argue that OBJ had 15 million reasons to choose Baltimore over the New York Jets. And therefore, his signing has nothing to do with who the quarterback is. And hey, we'd be naive not to think that the money didn't play at least, you know, some part, I'd say a big part in his decision. But I have a hard time thinking that an extra, what, $4 million would be enough to sway OBJ to play with Tyler Huntley over Aaron Rodgers for a year in New York. And if you ask ESPN's Damian Woody and Marcus Spears, Lamar essentially communicated to Odell that he'd have his back. And they say there's no way players would lie to each other about something like this. Here's their debate with Mike Greenberg and Jeremy Fowler. But you know who does know what Lamar can do is Lamar himself. That's the point here, Marcus. So OBJ has the best source of anybody. All our reporters, the best reporters in the entire business. We got them. Fowler and Diana and Kimberly and Shefty and everybody. But the reality is OBJ who's talking to Lamar himself. And you saw it right there on the FaceTime. Gee, let me make another good point because that's that's amazing. That's an amazing point you just made. Let me make another point. We're not going to lie to each other. We'll lie to Jeremy Fowler. We'll lie to the organization. Most of the time, players ain't going to lie to each other, yeah. right? So will you, like me and Woody, we've, we boys, or we've been having a lot of respect for each other's game for a long time. And he playing for the New York Jets. And, and, and I'm a D tackle in the league. And me and Woody been boys for a long time. If I tell Woody I'm coming to play for the New York Jets, he knows the expectation. The expectation is for him to be there and for us to go try to win a championship. Because those conversations that happen between us as players is more about what's happening on the football field, not the realm of all of the talking media or what's going on in the front office. When we have conversations about playing the game, especially if we're talking about playing for the same team, it's about what's going to happen on the football field. And it ain't new that we've seen quarterbacks and wide receivers have this kind of discourse leading up to maybe signing in free agency or guys reaching out to guys. I refuse to believe in, 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 my, in talking to Odell Beckham Jr. and knowing him, and, and a lot of people don't give him a, a, enough credit for how much of a competitor he is and how important winning is to him. 
it is no way in my mind that he is going to Baltimore with an unknown situation at quarterback. I refuse to believe that. Mm-hmm. If Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. is not playing quarterback for the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens, based on what they just did for Odell Beckham Jr. in a $15 million guarantee, I'd be shocked. See, I'm fascinated by all that, especially what Marcus is saying, because Odell, if he's getting $15 million guaranteed from the Ravens, aren't you going there, if, if regardless of who the quarterback is, if the other team's offering you eight, ten? I mean, that's a huge oh, yeah. gap. It, it, it's a bigger bag than any other one no. would have gotten. It's like a big Louis Vuitton <laughs> instead of a little uh, gym bag. It, it is, but no, because I think the competitive, you know, Marcus talked about the competitor in Odell Beckham Jr. He, he's not going to go into a situation where it could be doomed to fail. He's going there to put himself in the best position. No, he's getting paid this year, yep. but to set himself up to get paid again. And still to come here on The Vault, Lamar's business partner, Ken Francis, broke his silence with his first on-air interview since last month's fiasco. You're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. All right, Bobby, we're learning more about Lamar Jackson's business partner, the now famous Ken Francis, thanks to a recent interview conducted by Glenn Clark Radio. Oh, yes, that we are. A mystery man no longer, if you will. And just in case you were living under a rock last month or perhaps in Japan traveling the world, (laughs) uh, this is the guy who was at the center of a league-wide memo sent out to all 32 NFL teams. And, of course, informing clubs that Ken Francis may be contacting teams and attempting to persuade club personnel to enter into negotiations with Lamar to use some of the direct language that was sent out in that memo. Now, being that Francis is not an NFLPA certified agent and Lamar continues to represent himself, obviously, the only person who can legally negotiate and interact with interested organizations is Lamar. Anyways, Here's Francis on how he and number eight first came into contact. Well, we're both South Florida guys, so we ran into each other a few times. Um, but we finally had an opportunity to sit down. Um, Lamar has a restaurant called Play Action. Yep. It's a soul food restaurant in Pompano Beach, Florida. And at the time, my product was a prototype. I introduced it to him and his team, and the rest was history. Um, right away, Lamar got involved with the development of our product um, and where we was able to add items that are beneficial to athletes and average fitness consumers. Like, for example, he was very big on making sure that we had an agility ladder. He wanted heavier weights to implement the ball barriers into the dumbbells to assist with ab workouts, just to name a few. And just as a reminder, the entire gym is what they're launching together this summer, which is basically like a portable fitness experience. But here's another snippet from the interview when Glenn asks Ken point blank about the national reports that claimed he was reaching out to teams on Lamar's behalf. Yeah, well, well, you know what the media, you know, they're, they're trying to create a narrative. Um, but when it comes to contract and negotiation, man, I cannot speak on Lamar's behalf. That, that is between Lamar and Eric DaCosta. Um, I have nothing to do with that, you know? So when the story came out, it was a shock to me, but it's not true at all. I never tried to negotiate for, for Lamar. Uh, we're pitching a product, um, our product, the entire gym, so we've been trying to get it out there. It's, it's, it's been seen by a lot of people. So if anything came before about contract negotiation, man, it's not true at all. Can I can I ask? Is it is it? Have you been pitching the product to NFL teams at all? Like, have you been? Has that been something 
that maybe has happened. You've been trying to work with the team, and somebody else heard that and said, oh, what's he working for Lamar? Like, has that been part of the process? Yes, 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 correct. And and that might have been where where the, the information got a little twisted. Okay. Um, um, I, yeah, I have pitched the, the product to, to a few NFL teams in, in effect to a partnership, yes. Uh, I'm just going to say this, Sarah. I mean, I'm not buying what he's selling there whatsoever, but – I suppose we're going to have to leave that up to listener interpretation. Here's more from Francis. The thing is, right, I, I have personally never heard Lamar speak negatively about Coach Harbaugh or Eric DaCosta. You know, as far as I'm concerned, he has the utmost respect for those guys. That's huge. The Baltimore Raven is a first-class organization. I personally feel like they will do the right thing, you know, but it's up to them. Um, Lamar loves the city of Baltimore and all of his fans, and his number one priority is to win the Super Bowl. For this, or for who he plays for, and an amazing fan base. But again, you know, it's it's up to Eric, the Costa, and the Baltimore Ravens. That's fascinating. And Lamar to sit down and kind of figure out, you know, the next move, whether they're going to do what's right by him, or you know, so I, it's it's kind of up in the air. But I mean, who would love to see that, right? So look, all in all, I personally find this entire Ken Francis saga to be deeply confusing and honestly flat out suspect on a number of levels you're telling me that lamar's business partner was reaching out to nfl teams to pitch them on a startup portable gym these are world-class organizations Sarah. like i just don't buy that even for one second what i will buy though is the continued optimism and positivity expressed by national reporters like ian rapaport in recent weeks which you just heard ken echo there in that last clip when it comes to the continued professional civil relationship that seems to still exist between Lamar and the Ravens front office. As you have said many times before, and I'm with you just because there's a disagreement and it might be a significant disagreement. It probably is when it comes to guaranteed money doesn't necessarily mean there's a permanent unworkable relationship strain in Baltimore between the two parties. Bobby, those who were not in favor of the Ravens going after Odell Beckham Jr., well, they've been quick to point out both his age and the two ACL tears and the fact that the latter of those tears forced him to miss all of last season. Yeah, Sarah, we haven't seen him suited up in NFL game action since the Super Bowl back on February 13th of 2022. So, look, I totally understand where those folks are coming from. But based on what we've learned this week regarding the physical status of his knee, I think there's some reason for optimism. All right, so let's let's go back. In that Super Bowl against the Bengals prior to blowing out his knee, OBJ had recorded two receptions for 52 yards, one of which went for a touchdown. He was in route to just a straight-up banner performance. But one thing that we didn't learn until just recently, thanks to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, is that he wasn't even 100% healthy prior to that ACL tear, even though he had that big performance. Here's something interesting about Odell. Like, you showed the clips of him playing for the Rams, and, you know, had he stayed healthy in the Super Bowl, probably is a Super Bowl MVP, I would say. I mean, you know, he looked really good. He His knee, his ACL was not fully healthy at that point. Obviously, he tore it, but it was not healthy before that, and I think we've discussed this here. You know, a year removed, more than a year removed from ACL surgery, his knee is probably healthier than it has been in quite some time. Like, that is 
they're going to be getting a very good and very healthy player. A couple years older, but much healthier. So he'll turn 31 this November, but now knowing he wasn't even fully healthy prior to that Super Bowl ACL tear, yet still found a way to gut it out. I mean, it says a lot about his inner dog that he's obviously made a career out of, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's ranked first in NFL history in yards per game, which is at 92.9 through the first 62 games of his career. So there's a real component of explosiveness on its way to Baltimore that, frankly, we haven't seen in years. And that's if he is healthy, as multiple reports are indicating he will be. And another one of those reports that you mentioned there comes from ESPN injury analyst Stefania Bell, who had a chance to catch up with OBJ's surgeon and I thought did a great job of detailing the structural damage and recovery timeline here. Listen to this. People have become used to ACL injuries and recoveries, ACL reconstruction. We hear it all the time. We see players come back all the time. But the fact is, what Odell had was a second ACL mm. surgery on the same knee. We call that a revision ACL. And it's different because it takes longer to recover. It's typically a, a more difficult recovery. You can't progress it as quickly because when you have that injury twice, there's hypothetically more damage within inside the knee. And guess what? We've never seen an elite wide receiver return to form after this type of injury. But... <laughs> Give me the butt. <laughs> but there might there's there's reason for optimism here. Yeah. And let me tell you why. We got a great picture here uh, looking inside the knee. So you see the ACL uh, on the diagram there. And the ideal graft when you have to repair a torn ACL comes from the bone, tendon, and bone of the patellar tendon. A lot of times when you have a second surgery, that might not be available, especially if you had an injury on the other side. In Odell's case, it was available on his opposite knee. So he's got the best kind of graft in there. Second, he did not have significant cartilage damage. When you have two mm. injuries like this, you worry about this inside lining of the knee, damage to the cartilage, that can impair your future. I've been told that he had a good looking knee on the inside, so his recovery was allowed to progress at the rate of a typical primary ACL recovery. Well, Couple that with the fact that he had a whole year off from football, so he's got fresh legs and a solid graft, and I think you're looking at potential for him to actually return to the level of receiver that we saw before. I really, I understand I'm simplifying this here. It almost feels as though with the structure of the knee that he didn't have the second ACL tear. It's almost as if it's only one, and then there was a whole lot of time to recover from that. I know I oversimplified, but still, that's the confidence level here. Yeah, and consider, yes? you know, I spoke with his surgeon, Dr. Neil Elitrash, who is also the Rams team physician, who had the ability to watch him with the Rams and really knows this guy. And he said he's going to be a monster this year. You know, he was also a monster back in 2019, Sarah, as a member of the Cleveland Browns under then offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, who's now in Baltimore. Now, the two only spent one season together, and it didn't go well success-wise in Cleveland, but OBJ did finish that year reeling in 74 receptions for over 1,000 yards, four touchdowns with a 55.6 completion percentage and 7.8 yards per target. So again, we've mentioned this before. Those two are familiar with one another. Todd speaks very highly of OBJ, and clearly OBJ thinks highly enough of him on top of the payday that he got to come to Baltimore. Still to come here on The Vaults, we're diving deeper into why I feel like the reports that claim the Ravens gave, quote, one of the worst contracts to OBJ and why I think that is a completely exaggerated statement. Stay tuned.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Sarah, in Tuesday's morning vault, you had uh, teased a deeper dive into the contract that the Ravens gave OBJ. And you'd mentioned that the reports that they overpaid him were totally exaggerated. So let's dissect this now. What do you got? All right. Well, first, Bobby, let me be clear. I do agree that the $15 million guaranteed with another $3 million in incentives, yes, that was indeed an overpayment. Let me make that clear. I'll push back on some of the more wild and exaggerated statements I've heard, and I'll do that in just a minute. But before I do, I think that overpayment is an accurate adjective. I think desperate is even a fair description. My personal favorite way to describe it is that the Ravens stuck their neck out for OBJ. But really, how can anyone argue otherwise when national reporters checked with various GMs around the league And they all said they weren't offering anywhere close to what the Ravens gave. So let's take what is believed to be the second best offer that OBJ got from the New York Jets. So here's what Rappaport told the Pat McAfee show. I don't know for sure. Uh, My sort of sense was it was around like the Michael Thomas deal. Again, like this is just my 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 thought. Yeah. No, no, it was like 10 with a chance to get to 15 or something oh. like that. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, so, it would be, you know, like you'd say like up to 15, but then it would really be like 10 base, something around there. Yeah. Which like if you had told me three weeks ago Odell's going to make 10 million base with a chance to get to 15, I would say very solid. This is more. This is a lot more. Okay, so those aren't technically hard numbers from Ian, but if it's in the ballpark, it sounds as if Baltimore paid $3 million more in total value and $5 million more in guaranteed value. So, yeah, I mean, that's a significant increase over what the Jets were offering, and it also sheds more light on why OBJ decided not to take that visit up to New York, right? Like, had he done so, Baltimore could have just said, hey, the deal's off the table if you go. So... Honestly, that's a nice little $5 million carrot that enticed him to stay. Yeah, for sure it is. So like I said, there's no way around it. It's an overpayment based on what the market was offering. 
But here's the thing, though, Bobby. One could easily argue that an overpayment was necessary. And here's why. It would not surprise me in the least if OBJ would have been willing to pay for, what, a million or two million less elsewhere. And why do I think that? Well, that's because we've seen that in recent history in Baltimore. Just think back to both T.Y. Hilton and Juju Smith-Schuster. They both took less money from the Colts and Steelers, respectively, instead of signing a higher-paid deal from Baltimore. And why is that? Why would they make that choice when we all know that players' highest priority is to secure the bag? Well, it's because of this. It's because the Ravens have created a poor reputation for themselves at that position. There's no other way to say it. You can blame it on Greg Roman and his scheme. You can blame it on John Harbaugh for his statements that he's made about not begging wide receivers to come to Baltimore. You can blame it on the front office, whoever you want to blame. The bottom line is that the Ravens have a poor reputation for wide receiver play. I mean, nobody has made the Pro Bowl here as a wide receiver. So how does Baltimore dig themselves out of that self-made hole? Well, Eric DaCosta has tried to draft his way out. Now, he did hit with Marquise Brown, but he didn't like Roman's scheme and asked for a trade. Rashad Bateman has yet to catch fire along with other later round picks. So it's back to free agents, but they won't take market value to come to Baltimore. So the Ravens had to bite the bullet, especially to help entice Lamar Jackson not to hold out and offer not just one million or two million over the market, but several million over the market. They for sure put their neck out. And there really is no better time than now to do that with this whole Lamar situation overshadowing everything. Okay, so let's get into some of these exaggerations about how bad of a deal this really is. Who exactly are you referring to? All right, well, I'll just give two examples. First, there's former NFL executive and Cleveland Browns GM Michael Lombardi. He tweeted, quote, Odell has to be one of the worst offseason signings based on talent to contract. I don't get it three exclamation points, and a close quote. And then former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker had a similar sentiment, calling it, quote, maybe the worst contract I've ever seen the Ravens give out, close quote. And he simultaneously took a shot at Lamar for his negotiation tactics. So while it was an overpayment, you take issue with the language that it's one of the worst contracts, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's hard to say that when it's just a one-year deal. Like, there's not a ton of risk involved here. Right, exactly. It's a one-year deal, and with a one-year deal, even though there's void years attached, that isn't going to ruin the Ravens for years to come. And here's the other thing. The proof that's being used to say that it was terrible, the proof that Tucker used, was that he compared it to the $11 million deals. They were the top deals that were given out this offseason. Well, why are we only comparing it to this year's wide receiver free agency class market when we all know it was a weak class? Let's look at the wide receiver market as a whole. OBJ is getting the 23rd, okay, the 23rd most in average annual money this year. That's not a ton, the 23rd. Guys like Hunter Renfro, Cortland Sutton, Tyler Lockett, and Allen Robinson are some of the guys who are making more. Bobby, it's standard wide receiver two money. And the Ravens are asking OBJ to be borderline wide receiver one, wide receiver two. So listen, like I said, yeah, it's an overpayment based off of the market. And they are taking a risk with OBJ's health, though, as you outlined, there's optimism around that. But 
They needed to put their necks out and take that chance, especially to help make Lamar happy. So the worst contract? Yeah, no, not even close. If it doesn't work out, everyone moves on one year from now after this experiment. Bobby, well, we've touched on a lot of stuff with OBJ, right? We've talked about now the contract. We've talked about his health. We've talked about what he can provide on the field. But one thing we haven't touched on, really since he's been signed, is what Odell is like as a teammate. Let's dive into that. Yeah, and I won't lie or hide from this, right? Like, that's something I've been questioning throughout this entire process, like on top of his lifestyle. You've heard me mention this before. Like, hey, this guy's a pop culture icon. and He's extremely involved with his off-the-field brand. He's a businessman, and he's got a massive online following, which is one of several reasons why I took that hard stance months ago and leaned into it in which, hey, I wrongly predicted he wouldn't end up in Baltimore. You know, to me, I thought lifestyle and market size and his overall brand awareness would have led him to the New York Jets. But again, I was wrong. So basically where I'm going with this is that I am totally open to going into this one-year experiment. Maybe it's maybe it ends up being more than that. Who knows? But I am totally open to going into this thing with an open mind and a clean slate on OBJ, the player, the teammate, and the person. All right. I like that. I think it's fair of you, Bobby. Let's, let's give this a chance here. And while we have to figure that money was probably a significant factor in his decision, being that the Ravens went out of their way to one-up the Jets' offer – now, clearly, OBJ still felt strongly enough about the opportunity in Baltimore and more than likely teaming up with Lamar. Which now brings us to former Giants executive Mark Ross, who spent some time with Odell during his time in New York. And Ross recently joined Glenn Clark Radio here in Baltimore this week, and he was asked what we should expect from, again, OBJ the teammate. Well, the teammates are going to love him, first of all. I mean, that's the, the perception from the outside and what the reality of the inside is, is the guy always was a great teammate and always was sort of beloved in that respect. And he is going to work. You know, the guy is maniacal about working out and perfecting his craft. So those are definitely the things you're going to get. Now, the outside perceptions of him and being in the media and stuff he does, you're going to have to live with that. And that's just what surrounds him. And so, but I think Baltimore has the, the structure and the, the coaching staff and everybody to sort of handle that. And he's not as uh, out there, I guess, as he was in his peak, you know, he's kind of a different role, older guy now and not as big of a star, but yeah, just as far as a player and a teammate and a worker, you know, he's top notch with all of that. So remember Odell spent his first five seasons in the NFL with the giants before landing in Cleveland and Sarah, that was where things were tumultuous in terms of his on-field relationship with then-Browns QB Baker Mayfield, which ultimately fractured their off-field relationship, too. Yeah, I mean, we could see it being in the same division. That was a drama-filled couple years, to say the least, which culminated with Beckham's father posting a video on social media highlighting all the times that season that Mayfield didn't throw Beckham's way or just flat out missed him when he was open. And Odell Beckham Sr. went on to trash Mayfield in the comments as well. Yeah, that happened. And you know what? That was then and this is now. Like, we're not trying to revisit that part of his past with any kind of agenda. We're just laying out the facts in terms of what went down and what ultimately led to his departure in Cleveland. 
His past is his past. He's on the other side of 30 now. I believe he turns 31 in November. He's a Super Bowl champion. And I think we can all agree there's been plenty of dysfunction in Cleveland, both pre and post OBJ. That is for dang sure. But I wanted to finish here, Sarah, because Ross, Mark Ross, was asked a hypothetical. If he were Eric DaCosta, would he have spent the money the Ravens did to go and acquire OBJ? This was his response. You know, in training camp, the last training camp I was on air, I actually said this would be a really good fit for them to bring him in. But, you know, right now, I don't, I think, you know, if you bring some more pieces in there, draft a guy, maybe bring someone else. I don't think at this point in his career, you want Odell to be your number one guy. I don't think he's capable of that right now. Now, can he be a spot player specialist as we saw him last with the Rams with cup was there and had other guys and Hey man, just go make two huge plays a game. I think right now that's where he is. Now I don't know where he's going to be coming off that second ACL, but I don't think for the Ravens, this moves, it's just not a great fit for me. I don't think where he has to be the number one guy and you're counting on him to be the number one guy because there's so many unknowns with him, with the age and the injuries. So I like it in a vacuum if it wasn't a huge salary and he could just be a part of what's going on there. But if you're expecting him to come in there and say, hey, man, you go save our passing game. you got to be our number one receiver. We're going to feed you 10 times a game. I don't think he's that guy anymore. And, you know, Sarah, the beauty of it to me is that hopefully he doesn't have to be that guy anymore in Baltimore. Like if Rashad Bateman can stay healthy, the Ravens truly believe he's capable of being an impact dynamic, complimentary piece for them. They're more than likely adding another pass catcher via the draft. They signed Nelson Aguilar for depth purposes. Devin Duvernay is still on this roster, and perhaps even Demarcus Robinson finds his way back on a team-friendly one-year deal as well, Sarah. And we all know, based on his social media, uh, if I were a betting man, I think that maybe, maybe, just maybe he's back. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned Lamar's favorite target above all over the last several years, and that's Mark Andrews. So I, I totally see and respect where Ross is coming from, especially knowing some of the uncertainty being that, hey, OBJ hasn't played football in well over a year. But what I'm choosing to be optimistic on is that I don't feel as if the Ravens are going to have to live and die on Odell being their surefire number one wide receiver. Now, now that you've detailed everything with the contractual stuff, OBJ himself may not like that given the incentives written into his prove it deal but it just might end up being the best formula for success collectively. All right, Bobby, it wasn't that long ago that we dedicated an entire episode to the acquisition that wasn't on the first week of NFL free agency last month. The Ravens were oh so close to a deal with Eagles cornerback Darius Slay before Philadelphia swooped in at the 11th hour and Slay used Baltimore's generous offer as leverage. Yeah, and ultimately he ended up with a very similar deal thanks to the Ravens offer. So anyway, weeks later, Slay is once again wreaking havoc, you might say. And so on a recent episode of his podcast, he gave his thoughts on Baltimore's OBJ signing. And while doing so, dropped a major teaser about what the Ravens front office has apparently been up to lately. That's always been, you know, the question mark about the Baltimore Ravens, and that's a receiver, and they're trying to answer that with Odell. And I heard a lot of other news, but I'm going to keep them news to myself. That's probably want to go over there too, but I heard a lot of other stuff people want to go over there, but we go going to stay tuned. And, I, and if I'm right, I'm going to tell y'all, 
I was right. But I'm going to let y'all just mm, sizzle y'all little spirit with that one. Yep, that was a cliffhanger. It's going to get already gotten Raven's flock wondering who the heck he's referring to. Bobby, what are your thoughts here? Oh, yeah, that's the question. Who or what is he referring to? I think it's up for interpretation. Or in this case, for the purpose of the exercise, how about some educated guesses? In Jeff Zarevic's latest piece on published on The Athletic, he writes that, quote, at one point, there appeared to be a deal to be made for Cortland Sutton, but the Denver Broncos decided they didn't want to trade for him, close quote. And Sarah, something to keep in mind, Sutton has a $14 million base salary for this season. So that's what would have been the Ravens cap hit had a trade gone through. So what, that's a million more than what they spent on OBJ? All right, so Bobby, let's get to this. I've got to ask, because I know everybody's been asking me on Twitter and elsewhere. Is Darius Slay referring to DeAndre Hopkins? So let's compare what the Ravens would have paid for Sutton to DeAndre Hopkins' base salary. What's that scheduled to be in 2023 in Arizona? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because this is the guy that everybody's talking about, not just in Ravens Twitter, but you can probably mention, what, three or four or five, maybe even more fan bases across the country that all feel like they're in on DeAndre Hopkins. But he will have a just over 19 million, 19.45 to be exact, a 2023 base salary if he gets traded. And that's without a restructure. So you know where I'm going with this, right? Like if the Ravens were willing to trade for Sutton, and that's according to Jeff's reporting, would they be willing to go five million more for DeAndre? <laughs> I am still incredulous because that money from Sutton has already been used up by OBJ. But you know what? This is a new Eric DaCosta we are seeing this offseason. So who knows? Maybe he's willing to make other big moves. But I'd like to know what the Ravens were willing to give up for Sutton because they only have five 2023 draft picks in their pocket maybe some 2024 picks maybe a player already on the roster but I want to know what it is because again if they were willing to give up picks for Sutton fans want to know would they be willing to give up those same picks or something similar for Hopkins either way <laughs> Eric DaCosta is out here trying to make big moves he is swinging for the fences yeah, no kidding. I mean, this the sense of urgency is refreshing, and it's no coincidence given where things stand with Lamar, if you ask me. Now, again, the Hopkins conversation is just an educated guess given what we learned from Jeff's reporting. You know, other potential acquisitions Slay could technically be alluding to. I don't know, perhaps buzz surrounding Cam Newton, who we all know he's knocking on the door for a return to the NFL after being out of it a year ago. What about Rocky Sin, the free agent cornerback who the Ravens reportedly worked out last month? He is still available on the open market or perhaps exploring the possibility of trading Patrick Queen. We know he scrubbed his social media of all things Ravens earlier this offseason. And more than likely, we'll figure out in a couple of weeks with the May 1st deadline approaching that his fifth year option probably will not be picked up in Baltimore. So, again, th those are just to name a few of how things of what slay could be suggesting still to come here on the vault i'll play a clip from former pittsburgh steelers quarterback ben roethlisberger and you tell me if you think he was purposely trying to take a jab at lamar or if it was just taken out of context